Hey everyone, this is Dorenda Wilson. Welcome to this week's podcast. If you're a new listener, I am married to Daryl and we've been married for almost 29 years. We have eight kids ages 13 to 27. We have four grandkids and we've been homeschooling for 23 years. If you have not already checked out my book, The Unhurried Homeschooler, I encourage you to go check it out on Amazon. It is a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling and I think you'll be encouraged. Summer's a great time to read up and just sort of like regroup and think about how you want to do the next homeschooling year. So I think you'd really enjoy this. Also, I recently published a book called The Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart. And this is 31 Days in God's Word. And so if you're struggling, and even if you're not, um, to be in God's Word, I would encourage you uh, to get to get this little devotional because it's specifically for moms, and there are several devotionals that are specifically for homeschool moms. And I think you'll be really, really encouraged with the uh, with the passages and with some of the thoughts that I'm share that I've shared in this book. Um, in from all of my years of being a wife and a mom and a homeschooling mom, I'm just sharing a lot of the things that the Lord showed me over the years. So I hope you'll go check that out. Well, if you're a regular listener, you probably have noticed that I've taken a break um, from podcasting. Maybe you didn't notice because some of you were trying to catch up on the podcasts. And that's what I was hoping is that everyone would have a chance to sort of catch up on the podcasts. And uh, I did one with uh, Dr. Dan Marcone, who's a family therapist, and he uh, was on the podcast and talked about the development stages of learning um, of kids, kids' developmental stages of learning. And it was really interesting and encouraging. And he's going to be back on the podcast um, sometime in the next several weeks talking about uh, a couple different things. We may talk about a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. In other words, instilling grit in our kids. The other topic is anxiety and kind of the science behind it. So I thought that would be an interesting and fun one. And that's, as I'll explain in a few minutes, uh, well, is near that subject is near and dear to my heart because I've been struggling with it myself lately. So I also have uh, Linda Hobar is going to be joining us. And she has written that series, The Mystery of History, my all-time favorite history curriculum. So she's going to be on the podcast sharing as well. And I also have... Sarah McKenzie scheduled. I am super excited about that. Sarah and I know each other from living in the same town, and she graciously uh, said yes to talking about her new book, Read Aloud Family. So I am super excited about having them here on the podcast. We can be looking forward to that. But today, I just kind of want to give you an update and share with you some of the things that the Lord has been uh, working out in my heart. It's been a lot, so I'm going to... uh, You can just be whispering a prayer for me um, as I talk through this and try to convey uh, some of the things that the Lord has shown me over the last few months. So I've had, since February, I've had some stuff going on um, physically, nothing, you know, life-altering, life-changing or, you know, bad, Um, just a huge... Uh, I would just say a huge slowdown, like God is just totally putting on the brakes. And, uh, you know, there's anxiety associated with it, but there's some physical stuff. And so many of you have uh, know, know that I've been struggling a little bit and you've been sending me, you know, these different 
suggestions and different things that have helped you. And I really do appreciate that. Right now, I am working with an integrative medicine doctor to kind of help get to the root of things. And, you know, it's hormonal. It's being 50. There's just stuff going on. And I want to uh, get to the root of it instead of just uh, medicate it. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with medication. Uh, just for me, I feel led to take as natural a route as possible. And I may be talking about that more when I find out more. But today, I really just want to talk about anxiety because, um, you know, we are a whole person, spirit, soul, and body. We cannot separate those things out. And sometimes when we're dealing with something physically, it affects us spiritually, it affects us emotionally. And many times, I really uh, think that it causes a certain amount of anxiety in us. And, you know, I've done podcasts before on anxiety. I do not have all the answers. All I can do is share with you what God's been sharing with me. And through this process over the last few months, I have been reading a book called Humble Roots by Hannah Anderson. And I will put a link in the podcast notes. But um, it has been such a sweet read, but also very, very convicting. And it's really centered around the premise that much of our anxiety is rooted in pride. And um, I realize that a lot of us experience you know, anxiety uh, because there's something physical going on. But again, it's like you can't really untie all of that um, and separate it all because it all is kind of tied together. So I just want to talk a little bit about anxiety. I want to talk about um, what she talks about in this book. I'm going to read a little bit out of it, um, and hopefully you'll be encouraged. But the premise of the book is that anxiety, much of the time, is rooted in pride. And, And what she means by that is essentially... He is God and we are not. Are we going to allow him to be God in each and every situation, whatever we're feeling anxious about? Even even if my anxiety is coming from a physical cause, can I stop and just say, Lord, even though I have all of these feelings and these anxious feelings, the truth is that you are God and I am not and you are gonna take care of me and you love me with an everlasting love and you're sovereign over my life. And you don't allow anything to touch me that doesn't pass through your hands first. And what I found is that often these hardships have not so much to do with um, God not being aware of what's going on in our lives, obviously, but it really has to do with a form of discipline. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But I just kind of want to tell my story a little bit. I had to pull back from a lot of commitments. Uh, Fortunately, I didn't have a ton on my plate, but I had a couple of conferences I needed to do. Now, I went ahead and I had committed to those, so I went ahead and followed through on those. Um, But everything else was just completely optional because what I needed to do was find out where is the source of my anxiety? Where is it coming from? Is it coming from something physical? Do I do do God and I need to do business about some things? Because it's easy to put a lot of things on the back burner and never actually go back to them because we're afraid, because it's not comfortable and it's not fun. And sometimes because God loves us so much, he forces us back to that spot in that corner. And you can, I mean, sometimes it feels like I'm sort of like a 
um, an animal trapped in a corner and I'm kind of freaking out a little bit and God's going, I've got you. He's loving me, but he's not gonna let me out of that spot because he has a work to do in my heart. It's about an eternal, deep work. And in that process, he is going to take care of us. So yes, it's painful. Yes, we sometimes feel trapped, yet we have to remember that God is sovereign over it and he is caring for us every step of the way. I remember feeling this first when our son was in the hospital almost 14 years ago, right after he was born with an open heart surgery at three days old. He he wasn't doing well. There were some complications going on and I guess what God really made clear to me was that God had Silas. He had him in his tender, loving hand. And no matter what was going on, God had him. God was taking care of him. I didn't need to worry that I was going to miss something or God was going to miss something because he was caring for him. And so I think we need to remember in the midst of anxiety and trials and hardships and discipline that God is really caring for us and loving us. So some of the things that I had to do was to pull back completely. Like I said, I needed to clear my calendar. I pulled away from social media, from my phone, from podcasts. Um, I don't feel like I do any one of those things too much, but I needed to know that. And in order to know that, I needed to pull away from it and sort of fast from it to know how much is this really taking up my headspace? How much is this really distracting me? And no matter how hard I try, these things are still a distraction. And so I needed to pull away from that and find uh, my footing again, clear my calendar, um, like I said, and my family. Um, I kept communicating with them you know, what was going on. My kids are a little older, so I can explain a little bit better. And of course, my husband knows everything that's going on. But as I'm telling them, explaining to them that I'm clearing my calendar and I'm doing some of these things, I'm also explaining why. And in that process, it was like the Lord was saying, see what you're doing. You're showing your kids that it's okay to say no to things. You're showing them that it's okay to slow down and listen for the Lord's voice. And that sometimes God asks us to do hard things. I also showed them that it was important to engage in the moment, to not think past it. You know, we were we took a little trip um, to the beach after one of the conferences, and I found myself um, out by the pool with our 13-year-old. And he was the only one in the pool. The kids were doing other kids were doing something else. And I just sat and watched him. And, you know, I talk about being a student of our children, and this is one of the ways to do that, especially through the summer. I think it's a really great time to pull back and really watch your kids a lot. You know, I saw a lady, um, a young mom the other day at the park with her little one-year-old holding her hand and walking through the grass. And I thought, oh, that's really sweet. But I looked up at the mom and she was on her phone. She was looking at her phone. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not saying every time that happens, it's totally wrong. But I'm saying I don't think we realize how distracted we are as parents. And especially young parents who don't know anything other than having phones and being on phones and being on social media. Um, I just can't help but wonder and challenge you to ask yourself, what would it be like to take a walk with my kids without my phone? What would it be like to just 
play with my kids for, um, and be at the park with my kids or just watch them for more than five minutes before I'm back on my phone. So I just wanna challenge you with that. Um, but that engaging in the moment as I'm watching our 13-year-old, um, you know, he seems old to a lot of you because you've probably, a lot of you I know have younger children, but he delighted in the fact that I was watching him and we were, and I was giggling and laughing at some of the silly things that he was doing. And the message that he was getting from me was that he was valuable. He was worth me sitting and just being with him and watching the goofy things that he does and laughing at him and laughing with him. And really we're making memories there because, you know, later in the day I was telling my husband at the dinner table with everybody there the silly things that he was doing and we were all laughing about it. Those seem like very small things, but they are actually, um, they add up to be very big things. And so I just want to encourage you this summer to take the time to watch your kids and to just be with them and to be engaged in the moment, not thinking past it, which is hard for us as moms because we're always thinking, oh my goodness, what are we going to have for lunch? Because yeah, this does bite me in the butt every now and then because you know I'm so busy engaging that I forget about dinner, but somehow God always provides in those situations. And so um, all that to say, it is worth it to engage in the moment. God knows our hearts and he's going to honor those effort, those efforts. But as I walked, have been walking through this, and I'm not out of it yet. You know, I'm still, uh, I had some blood work done the other day. We're still getting to the root of things. I just last week went to this integrative doctor because I was waiting on the Lord. I was waiting to see if my body would sort of recover on its own, if, um, if God just wanted me to take a sabbatical or if there were other things that needed to be dealt with. And um, I found all of those things were true, that I did need to take a sabbatical and my body, I believe, can heal itself, um, but it may need a little help. So that's the direction we're heading. But this experience of being so, um, you know, tired a lot of the time, and uh, I think what I'm dealing with is like an adrenal fatigue and some hormone issues. So I, I don't know that for sure yet. I will find that out. But if anybody's ever experienced adrenal fatigue, or if you even know what it is, um, I'm going to explain it to you because um, I think it's worth explaining. Um, our adrenals are what give us the energy that we need. They help balance our hormones. They um, give us the adrenaline we need when, you know, in a dangerous situation, a fight or flight feeling and all of that. But when our adrenals, because of chronic stress, have been um, kind of used a lot more maybe than they should have been, they can become somewhat fatigued. And sometimes they need a break. They need a rest to recover. And that means pulling back. That means taking time out. That means sleeping more. And some of the the signs that you may have it are not sleeping well at night or um, especially uh, low energy, mid-morning and low energy in the mid-afternoon, you know, depending on a cup of coffee to get yourself going again, which um, if that works, then you probably don't have super bad adrenal fatigue because if you do have bad adrenal fatigue, it will actually make you feel super, super anxious and caffeine is a big thing you want to stay away from. So all that to say, I'm just throwing that out there um, because some of you maybe don't understand what that is. And you might want to look into it because it might keep you from bigger problems down the road. So this experience of really not having energy to do much of anything makes you feel helpless and weak and extremely limited. But I'm telling you right now that it 
there is something about that that really makes you um, be very uh, empathetic and gracious towards those who have chronic illnesses because it is no small deal to not have the energy that you need or feel like you need. Um, I love being a productive person. And so this really um, rocks my world, you know, because I like being able to get things done. And and I'm limited right now. God has those limitations on me for some reason. But I want to share with you something from this book, Humble Roots by Hannah Anderson. She says this about pride. Pride convinces us that we are stronger and more capable than we actually are. Pride convinces us that we must do and be more than we are able. And when we try, we find ourselves feeling thin, sort of stretched, like butter that has been scraped over too much bread. We begin to fall apart physically, emotionally, and spiritually for the simple reason that we are not existing as we were meant to exist. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you're not experiencing his rest, if you're weighed down, put out, resentful, you must ask yourself whether you're actually pulling under his yoke. If you're feeling burdened and heavy laden, you must question whether you're as humbly submitted to him as you believe yourself to be. You may have thrown off the yoke of religious form. You may be working for the greater good, but it's entirely possible that you are still plowing under your own direction and strength. Instead of embracing Jesus as your Messiah, it's entirely possible that you've become your own Messiah. Isn't that convicting? I love what she says. She describes about when we start to feel resentful and thin and stretched, that that's a warning flag to us to say, hey, maybe I am not actually doing what God is calling me to do. I'm adding to my load. I'm putting unreasonable expectations on myself. So something to think about, something that was very convicting to me. I think my husband was right when he said these times um, really end up being directive ultimately. I know when it's all said and done, I'm going to have um, a new sense of direction after this. And I think that is a gift from God. Um, It doesn't feel like a gift a lot of the time. It just feels really hard. But I know him and I've, been, I've experienced trials before. And when it was all said and done, I looked back and said, you know what? I wouldn't trade that trial for anything. And I am trusting God right now, even though I don't feel it in my emotions. I am trusting him that that is the result. That is going to be the result when this is all said and done. So there are times when we're going through, uh, walking through difficulties and trials that friends don't always help us. Sometimes they make things more difficult. And I want to share with you something that I wrote in a, in a journal. I've kind of been sort of journaling along the way through this, but I want to share this specific entry because um, I think we can, we can hear it and look at it from the perspective of the person writing it, which is me, and where I was at, and the perspective of the friend. Maybe we can be a better friend if we know someone who is struggling with, um, you know, going through trials and difficulties. So this is what I wrote. I was talking with a friend today, telling her about my recent journey and how I have stepped back from almost every commitment. I'm pretty sure my friend was well-meaning, but dare I say, she was not helpful. There was something in her tone and the way she kept jumping ahead of me that communicated, not care, but something like, I saw this coming. I'm pretty sure I have done something similar to others along the way, and the sting of this made me want to do better in the future. 
I walked away not feeling freedom or gratitude for what God was doing in my life or even shared values with my friend. Instead, my gaze had shifted to what my friend thought of me. The fact that she, quote, thought this might happen didn't make it easier, but harder. I felt foolish. I felt like the work I had put my hand to and now stepped back from wasn't valuable then or now. I know I had prayed about many, but probably not all the choices I'd made along the way of the work that I, sorry, um, probably not all the choices had been prayed about along the way that had brought me to this place of burnout. However, I don't think God wastes anything. And much of the work I did truly did come from my heart, but seasons come and seasons go. I wonder sometimes if this isn't true for much of what we do, even as we put our hands to the good work God puts in front of us. What I mean by that is that anything we do, even with the best intentions and leading of the Holy Spirit, is less than perfect. It's God who perfects it, who makes it fruitful and worthwhile. How quickly we forget. Instead of riding the ride while God powers and directs it, we find ourselves grabbing the wheel. And when the ride starts to slow down, we jump out and try pushing to keep up the, the momentum. Then we wonder why we feel whipped. Pride is exhausting. I have a nasty habit of loading up my plate and then burning out. I get so excited about this thing and that thing, all the shiny things, but the shiny things become tarnished very quickly. And my arms become weary of polishing them. This morning, I read in the Valley of Vision on letting anything else become more important than the finished work of Christ, my own doings, what others think. Here's what it said. But to make the creature something is to make it stand between thee and me so that I do not walk humbly and holy. As far as what my friend thinks of me or what I think she might think of me, Charles Spurgeon said it best. If any man thinks ill of you, do not be angry with him, for you are far worse than he thinks you to be. I love that. God is so good at bringing just the right things along at just the right time. And what he's been showing me is that he is God and I am not. Apart from him, I can do nothing. Remembering who he is and who I am is essential to avoiding anxiety. Humility is accurately understanding ourselves and our place in the world. Humility is knowing where we came from and who our people are. Humility is understanding that without God, we are nothing. Without his care, without his provision, without his love, we would still be dust. That's from humble roots. Don't you love that? And Living within limits brings rest. That's essentially what Hannah is saying there, is living within limits brings rest. These seasons can be as much of a, uh, an emotional battle, spiritual battle, as a physical one. And our emotions are not, um, often are not a gauge of the truth, but they often do point to something deeper. And we have to not focus on our emotions themselves, but rather the root cause. And that happens by humbling ourselves because much of our emotional instability is rooted in pride. I'm going to read again from Hannah Anderson's book here. She said this, and here is how humility brings rest to our internal life. Humility teaches us that God is greater than our heart. 
Humility teaches us that we don't have to obey our emotions because the only version of reality that really matters is God's. Don't you love that? I have a dear friend who uh, is like a Titus II mom to me, and she has been since I was 18 years old, and I'm 50, so you can do the math. Um, But her name is Carol Ann, and she is just the sweetest thing ever. She's a little spunky and fun, but deep. And I love that about her. And she's popped in and out of my life at various times along the way. But I was remembering back to when she was in her 40s, and I think she was struggling then too, and she's told me such. So kind of the hormone changes and all of that. But what she said to me was one of the things that I learned is that I don't have to be the mother of the world. I laughed at that then, but now I am feeling it because I realize that I don't have to fix everything. It is so easy as wives, as moms, as nurturers um, to want to fix everything. But we really have to learn to accept the things that we cannot change. And more than that, we need to entrust what we cannot change and learn to live within God-given limits. This brings rest. It takes more trust to let go. It takes more trust to say, God, I can't do anything about this situation. And instead of trying to think of something and stressing out about it, I am gonna entrust this child to you. I'm gonna entrust this situation to you. And if God has something for us to do, he will make it perfectly clear. And we are then working from a place of rest, not a place of anxiousness. This is why I'm always encouraging moms to homeschool from where you live. When we're always trying to change our circumstances and our situations um, to fit what we think is the ideal, it just causes anxiety. And we're not letting God be God and us not be God. I was listening to Psalm 147, and it seemed, I'd love for you to look that up. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing through to you here, but I would love for you to jot that down and maybe look through it a little bit later. But it seemed as though the entire psalm was my heart's cry to God. As I meditated on it, I saw this picture of a target, and I realized that I would rather shoot one or two arrows and hit the bullseye then shoot a dozen with less intention and hope that I hit the target. And I felt like God had been, um, like I had been trying to fire off too many arrows and instead I need to slow down and hear uh, from God which arrows are the ones that he wants me to focus on. But walking this out requires us to let go, to be still and to listen. It requires us to be patient and to exercise self-control not letting our hearts, our minds, our bodies go places before asking or acknowledging him. This is not meant to bring more stress. And that only happens when we start to believe the lie that God is not God and that we are somehow God. We have to continue to believe that he is God and we are not. And trust in that and be okay with it. The very heart of this Um, is really training ourselves in humility, being okay with not being everything to everyone, to embrace our limitations and knowing that we are the creature, not the creator. And as I walked walked through this season, I had to learn to listen for God's grace. So when my body doesn't want to cooperate with what's going on in real life, 
I ask him, where's the grace? Where do, what do I need to do? Should I go lay down? Do you have grace for me to get through this moment? What do you want, Lord? Um, and I tend to do this thing, and maybe you're like me this way, I don't know, but I tend to do this thing where when I feel stressed, I actually push myself more. And it doesn't mean we never need to push ourselves, but in that moment, maybe we need to ask God if we really actually need to do that or if we need to rest in Him and trust Him. And as I was praying about this very thing the other day, God confirmed what He had been saying to me repeatedly over the last few months, that it's okay to rest when I feel that way instead of pushing myself harder, and that He is going to provide everything I need when I need it. This is about stewardship, like I was talking about earlier. We have the responsibility to steward our energy, to steward what God has given us. If we have very little on a certain day or on any given day, we ask God, how do you want me to steward this? And trust that he's got the rest. We need to have the freedom to disappoint others without carrying a load of guilt, to be all right with not being everything to everyone, to trust that if God wants me to do something, he will make it clear and he'll give me the grace to carry it out. I recognize that even when I'm laying down and truly resting, I'm glorifying God because I'm acknowledging who He is and who I am. I am walking out the truth that I produce nothing worthwhile without Him, and that even if I cannot do, quote unquote, He is still good, powerful, sovereign over every detail of my life. And because of that, I can rest. We can rest, moms. I realized that I hadn't missed anything big with our kids along the way. This was another realization that happened in the midst of this. Um, Even, you know, I was pretty, pretty busy for a while there, but I realized I was missing a lot of little things. And don't a lot of the little things add up to the really big things? It would be easy. It is easy to distract ourselves, but we want to finish well. So why am I sharing all of this? I'm sharing this because I know that we all experience anxiety, some more than others, and for many different reasons. And we have to seek God and have him show us the root of those reasons because he knows us. You know, I've, re- I've repeatedly said to God, you're the great physician. You're the ultimate doctor. You created me. You, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You know me inside and out. Show me, God. Show me what it is that's causing my anxiety. And I want to share with you um, a, another part of this book, uh, Humble Roots by Hannah Anderson. She said, you know your helplessness. Actually, I'm going to start at the beginning of this paragraph. When we believe that we are responsible for our own existence, when we trust our ability to care for ourselves, we will have nothing but stress because we are unequal to the task. You know this. Deep inside, you know your limits, even as you fight against them. You know your helplessness, even as you press forward by sheer determination. But at some point, the world becomes too much, and the largeness of life threatens to overwhelm you. And when it does, you must stop. And you must do what Jesus told his friends and followers to do on that flowered hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We must seek him and let him take care of the rest. Do you love that? Some days and seasons are simply a battle. 
And when our head hits the pillow at night, we're not sure who was the victor, but the truth is that we belong to the Lord of heaven and earth. Ultimately, the battle belongs to him. And it's not as important that we have done everything right as much as the fact that we keep going back to him and he fights our battles for us. We continue to bring every detail of our lives to him and yield to him as our Lord and Savior. We don't have to know everything or understand everything. In fact, God knows that would be too much for us to bear. We can entrust the details to him. We can walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And dare I even say, do not feel. Faith requires humility, actively believing that he is God, we are not. My temptation in all of this personally is to keep looking for the answer, quote unquote. If I would just get this right, everything would be okay. I could fix this. In every lie, there is an element of truth. There is a way out. There is an answer, but it will only be found in Jesus. He is not withholding relief in order to punish us until we figure it out, but he does allow us to experience discipline. This isn't discipline um, in, in the in the meaning punishment. It's discipline meaning training. Hebrews 12, 5 through 13 says this, My child, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as a child. Again, that's a training, not a, not a punishment. As you endure this divine discipline, Remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. God wants to make us strong in him. And he's using these trials in our lives to do just that. We're kidding ourselves if we believe that we are not in a battle of epic proportions. Anxiety is a tangible and often painful reminder that we live in a broken world, that we are broken, but it can be the catalyst to hope and joy when we choose to confess that brokenness to God and to each other. We grieve, but not as those who have no hope because it's in our weakness. It's in our weakness, moms, that God is made strong. Our culture tells us that if we're having hard times, it's because we're victims. If anything stops us or slows us down, it must be a bad thing. But that's rooted in the premise that we have, um, that's rooted in the premise that we should be able to do what we want when we want, which completely sidesteps letting God be God, to truly be Lord over our lives, to say, you are God and I am not. 
The church often tells us that if we're struggling, it's because we've done something wrong. We don't have enough faith or we aren't spiritual enough. If we would just get it together, we could be victorious. But that is based in the premise that sidesteps grace. The very foundation of our faith is rooted in our brokenness and God's unwavering, boundless love for us and his ability to redeem our lives, to take what what Satan means for evil, to use it for good, to take those broken parts of us and bring redemption right here, right now on this earth. No, we won't see our full redemption until we go to heaven, but God has work for us right here. He has a work he wants to do in us right here. And these trials and these things that we're walking through, they are not outside of his scope of understanding or control or love. He loves you, moms. He loves me. Whatever you're walking through today, I want you to be encouraged. And I hope that you will place your trust in him, your full and complete trust in him. And remember and rest in the fact that he is God and you are not. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for speaking to us, Lord, that even when we feel like you've gone silent, God, the rocks cry out, nature cries out that there is a creator that loves us. There is a creator that provides for us. The fact that our air around us that we breathe that keeps us alive, if it altered even the slightest bit, we would be dead. But God, you keep and sustain that air exactly the way we need it for the people that you created because you love us, God. You're our creator. And we thank you so much that we can trust you, that we can rest in you, that we can say that you are God and we are not, and we are content with that. I just pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.